Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns insider Kellen Olson joins Burns and Gambo to talk Phoenix Suns basketball. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kellen Olson, Arizona Sports. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the Valley. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you say it again? I'm Kellen. Welcome to the Valley. Nice to meet you. Courtside with Kellen. Brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Our weekly visit with our son's guru from ArizonaSports.com and across all platforms, spreading his wings into video now with, what are we calling that series, Show and Kel? I like that. Shout out Luke Forstner in the newsroom, who you know. Me and Jeremy were just discussing it. Came, came up with the namesake yeah. for that, Show and Kel. Yeah. I like that. Not I'm not that smart. You in front of a, a green screen doing the doing the weatherman routine. Oh, I like it. You trying know, my best. Out. Yeah, it's good yeah, stuff. Thank good you. Stuff. Kellen joining us in studio to talk about Suns basketball. Much needed win last night that was grindier than I expected going into that game. And Orlando tends to make things kind of grindy. That one was not easy for them last night at all, was it? No, it wasn't. And what I let off with on ArizonaSports.com was just sometimes when you get in a, a losing streak, a bit of a skid, a funk, whatever you want to call it, three games, five games, seven games, like getting that one win sometimes is like pulling teeth to a certain extent. And that's what it felt like because they should have avoided that whole situation, right? Because they were up, what was it, eight, nine points with eight, nine minutes to go. Like they shouldn't have really found themselves in that situation. 5-0 run to start that tight at 101. So I was like, okay, they're going to start to pull away here now. They didn't pull away. Chris Paul hits the two jumpers. They don't pull away there either, and it comes down to the last play, but you hope that that kind of win especially gets them going a bit because I just thought it was a, offensively at least, and actually defensively, it was a good balanced contribution level from just about everyone on the team. Like, you didn't really get that high in performance from anyone, which is why I thought it was so close for the most part. But, I mean, eight, nine guys, pretty much everyone did a little bit of something in that game. And a coach, you really stood out. And it, not just a block shot. And, it, you know, if you just look at that one play, like, oh, what a great play. But And when he got when he checked back into the game after that 9 nothing run by Orlando, he made about five or six big plays. He had to tap back to Booker after Paul missed the three. He hit a corner three. He drew an offensive foul on Carter Jr. He rebounded a miss by Booker. He deflected that pass from Bonchero. And then when he, he came out of the game for, for rebounding purposes for Landau, when he came back in and he blocked the shot, it's not just a blocked shot. There were basically five or six plays in the final five minutes where he affected the game. I really liked the way that he kept attacking off the bounce because he shot 2 of 10 from 3. They were playing off of him, but the thing about them playing off of him is it doesn't necessarily deny the drive because oftentimes the worst defender is getting hidden on him, right? Like That's the way that you treat the shooter like him that he is. So he kept attacking, and then in that third quarter he found a couple of driving lanes, and I just really liked the way that he stayed on it. And then, of course, with everything else you mentioned there, Gambo is just his overall ability to impact a game when he has a 2 of 10 shooting night. He can still be one of the best players on the floor out there because of how much he does everywhere else as long as the offensive injection is still coming in somewhere else and it did with his ability to get off the bounce uh, last night. I, I thought about this as I'm, I'm watching him play last night and have an impact on the game. He's one of several minimum guys that the Suns have. I wonder what his value is going to be after the season. He's finally got a real opportunity. He's never had a true opportunity before. This is the, the, the biggest opportunity he's had in his career. He's taken advantage of it. Now, he's not shooting the ball well this month, but he did last month. But I think you could, you could see how he could affect the game defensively. And 
I, I wonder what type of contract he would get. I wonder if this Phoenix Suns going to be able to keep him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really too sure, to be honest, Gambo. I think the main thing for him is we see these guys who are first-round picks, their four-year deal sort of runs out, and sometimes they go to a situation you're like, okay, how make or break is this for them and, and their career in the NBA? Like, how much does this moment really need to mean to what their career is going to look like in basketball for the next five to seven years? How many more chances are they going to get in the NBA? And Okogie wasn't there necessarily, but he was heading in that sort of direction out of Minnesota. The situation in Minnesota kind of ended the way that he did. And what he's done this year is certified himself in the league. Like, that's what he's done without the shadow of a doubt. Now, is he a $12, $15 million player? Is he an $8 million player? I'm not really too sure. I would lean towards the lower number, I believe so. But someone's going to want to pay him because you look at the way that he can impact a game. And if the shooting improves, it improves. But the way that he's found a way to impact a game consistently and shown, hey, if you give me 18 minutes a night, I will impact the game for you. There's lots of little things to talk about from last night's game. And one of the little things ended up kind of being a big thing. And that was Chris Paul hitting a couple of shots in the last couple of minutes of that game. Now, we're very spoiled when it comes to seeing Chris Paul do things like that. But we have not seen that a lot this year. Is that a flash for Chris? Is that the design behind what he did, if there is such a design? What do you think it tells us that Chris Paul did those clutch time things? Because that's, you know, that's typically how we think of Chris Paul, right? Yeah, I remember the overarching point that Gambo kept coming back to at the start of the year is that books your number one, right? And then your number two is going to fluctuate. Sometimes it's going to be Chris. Sometimes it's going to be DeAndre. Some nights it's going to be Mikel. Some nights it's going to be Cam and so on. We expected Chris to be that number two because, my goodness, he was coming off all NBA years, back-to-back years. He was playing at a super high level, but it kind of became clear 15 games into the year he wasn't going to be that number two pretty much every night. But now you look at it and just wonder how many nights he can be that number two just overall. Like It, it can be him here and there, but how many times can he really get up there? The stat that I had in the recap on ArizonaSports.com was that this is the 19th straight game where he's failed to reach 20 points. That is the longest streak of his career. The previous high was 15, and he's only seen seven streaks in his year in his career reach double digits. So every now and then, you would get those 25, 28 points. He's not known as a scorer. He's not going to be known as a scorer, obviously, for a a myriad of different reasons, but with that in mind, he's always been able to control the game to a point where he can be that score from time to time, but can he be now, especially with the way defenses are playing him, because that big is dropping so far off DeAndre Aiden that he can roll into that mid-range jumper with, with some comfort right now, but it's about him finding that shot and finding out the way, not finding out the way, but figuring out with this new look, without Kevin Durant, how defenses are defending them and how he can become more of a score, and he's had his role fluctuate more than anyone else on the team this year. He's just been campaigns out, Devin Booker's out, hey, you need to be our number one scorer right now. And then he goes, Kevin Durant gets here, you might take seven shots a game, Chris. You're going to be playing off the ball, get ready for catch-and-shoot threes. It's been all over the place for him, but they're going to need him. They're, I, if I had to guess how many 20-plus point games does he have in a seven-game series, one or, or two, maybe, and I mean, yeah. going into last year, I would have said four, five. Like he's He's been that guy, especially in the postseason, but I'm not sure if he can be this year, and it's, it's a concern, obviously, but when you have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker won't matter as much. I think it's interesting that number. I mean, that's fascinating. The twenty. It almost reminds me of the Brett uh, of the Aaron Rodgers number that he went the entire season without a three hundred yard game. You know, you're used to Chris Paul being able to score twenty. You used to Aaron Rodgers throwing for three hundred yards. But what happens? And I, I, I've said this my whole career because I've seen it so many times. What happens with great players when they get older is they simply just don't have the ability to do it consistently. You may get a great game once out of every five games, in, instead of four out of five or five out of five. I mean, you see glimpses of that greatness and you may see it in a quarter you may see it in a half but very rarely do you see it you know you know game in and game out for any extended you know period of time 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and my whole thing on this entire sort of stretch here without Kevin Durant is it further emphasizes the importance on him and, and DeAndre, too. They've got a big four games coming up. I think all of these games are big when Kevin Durant is out to sort of maintain their spot in the standings. But you got OKC coming on Sunday. That's a team that does not have size. DeAndre should dominate in that sort of game. But then you look at the next three. After that, you got the Lakers. That's Anthony Davis. And then he plays. Man, imagine having to guard DeMontis Sabonis and Joel Embiid back-to-back nights. That's what he is going to have to do later this week. It's a huge four games for him specifically. If you're looking at those four games and picking out the X-Factor for the Suns, I believe DeAndre is that guy in all four games. His numbers have been down a bit uh, in the last eight games specifically. So the three with Durant, the five without Durant, his efficiency from like that five to 14 feet spot where he's normally around 47, 48, 49%. He's been pretty darn good. The numbers have been down a bit right now because he's adjusting again. Because my goodness, how many custody you guys play Burnsy from national people being like DeAndre Aiden, get ready for the seas to part. You are never going to be this open in your career. You're never going to get this many good opportunities. He gets three games with Kevin Durant. Doesn't really touch the ball that much, if we're being honest. And then he comes back to getting the ball, but the paint's clogged up again. It's just a really tough adjustment. And these four games are, are big for him and big for Chris and, and everything they got to do to keep their spot in the standings. Then, real quick, leave us with this before we let you go. Booker looked tired at the end of last night. Aiton looked hurt at the end of last night. What's your concern level for both of those guys for these next few? Uh, keeping on the injury report coming out tomorrow. We'll we'll see on that front. Uh, DeAndre, he always not always, but anytime he would get hurt during a game, we just see him eventually run it off. Eventually that limp would fade for him. It did not fade with this kind of thing. He was still limping when we talked and walked with him after the game. So I think he's the guy I'd be more concerned about out of the two. Booker just seemed like fatigue. Like the we all knew forty three was too much in that Milwaukee game. We all knew he wasn't coming out of the game. It's just one of those things that kind of happened. Monty again said last night like that was just too many minutes. Their injury reports that came back internally on Wednesday sort of had him down with general soreness. We saw a bit of that come up on Thursday. He told PHNX Sports' Gerald Borgay that he felt fine. So we'll, we'll see. It's, it's a whole different story when uh, Devin says he's fine, of course. like We, we, we don't know how true that, that kind of thing right. Is, is, right? He's never the type of guy to come out and say, like, oh, yeah, it's actually like my right quad. And like if, I, if this oh, were... Sure. He's never that type of guy, and he never should be that type of guy. Yeah. But concern levels are, are mild, but... In these next eight games, like they just can't be overly reliant on Booker, especially. You can't wear him out right now. Can't yeah, we're going to talk about that a little later in the show. Thanks, Kellen. We appreciate it. All this stuff can be found at Arizona Sports.